Welcome to All Villa, No Filler. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Rivalries, the show where we meet fans from rival clubs. Villa are due to play Tottenham this weekend to chat about that. I'm joined by Spurs season ticket holder Ollie Leach, a man I once hosted a sports radio show with many years ago, many years ago at a Sheffield University. At the time, Villa and Spurs hadn't won anything for years, and now not much has changed. Anyway, Ollie, welcome to All Villa, No Filler. 20 years. It was 20 years ago, yeah. I think. But I'd like to say I, I launched your uh, broadcast career, Frankie. And <laughs> yeah. Frankly, you've done better than me, so well done. But, I, don't, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, good times. It was basically a like, of students just shooting the breeze about sport, wasn't it? You know, yeah. lots of love. Oh, it was great. Back at the time, I think Villa were managed by Martin O'Neill. No, just before the O'Leary. O'Leary. Yeah, I think it was O'Leary. You get going on about OB out before Easter. Yeah. And I think we had, the, we had the sort of glorious Martin Yole era. Yes. Um, which... It's funny at the time because where Spurs had kind of come from, it seemed like the dawn of a new era. Mm. Now we're sort of accustomed to realizing that's probably never going to happen. So <laughs> it sort of it sort of goes like that, Spurs life. But yeah, uh, no, I remember saying to you one year, I thought Villa were going to do it. I thought they were going to go all the way. Um, mm. Since then, is it what one trophy between us? Yeah, I think it's your Carabao Cup win of two thousand eight. Yeah, the day he. That's how I remember it. Yeah. But there we go. But also, but you know, look, uh, I'm going to mention it and I've mentioned it a lot on this podcast. I look at Tottenham and Atletico Madrid as the profile of club that Aston Villa should be looking at. You know, they broke through, you know, many years ago, people laughed at Tottenham um, back in the day as a club that you'd ever think could be in a Champions League final. And they did it, you know, so and regularly top four. So that's what Villa have to look at. And that's what we have to compete with. And we will be competing this weekend at Tottenham. Um, so, Ollie, Spurs go into this having had a great start to the season, but you have just had your first two defeats and you've also had a glut of very unfortunate injuries. How do you feel going into this weekend's game? I think, look, I mean, yeah, start of the season was great. It was enjoyable. There were goals. There was attacking football, which, you know, after the last few years we've had, godsend. But I've said to everyone, I've had all my mates come up to me, friends, fans from other clubs, oh, Spurs did, why aren't they? And I've said the same thing. Come back to me at Christmas. Ask me that question at Christmas. There's just been too many false dawns. But I think, you know, it's an interesting time for Villa to come. I mean, that Chelsea game we had, the first 15 minutes was majestic. We were cruising. And then I've never seen a team get a whack so hard in my entire life in one <laughs> I mean, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Romero lost his lost his head. Um, Udoji, who frankly is is is, is a fantastic footballer, he he lost control. And then VAR, I'm pretty sure, contributed to um to Van der Ven pulling up, um, which we can talk about in a bit. But yeah, no, so I think <laughs> look, I mean, we're sort of confident, but with a pinch of salt, I'm I'm nervous about the pace that Villa have got up front. Uh, I'm nervous about it against our high line and our not too terribly quick defenders. So um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. But I'm 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 confident, but I'm also nervous. 
I love that you mentioned the highlight. The high line derby, I've been calling it. Uh, I think that the heat map in this game will literally just be the halfway line um, <laughs> because both clubs love to play those that very high line. It's very proactive, very ambitious, and uh, uh, both clubs have been doing a great job with it so far this season, really. Um, but Spurs, I'll list some of the players that are missing, obviously. James Madison, massive miss, and Van der Ven, who I think is a fantastic defender. Basuma, who's been playing very, very well this season. Richarlison and Sir, and uh, Romero as well in defence. So that they, those are some big, big names. And there's not many clubs in, in the world, no matter, you know, Man City themselves missing big figures would cope too well. So it is a big test for Spurs. But I'm quite intrigued to know, who do you think will start in centre midfield for you this weekend? Well, look, last week it was Hoybier Saar, who I think has got a massive future, and um, Pesuma. Pesuma's obviously is out. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Ollie Skip, who... Yeah. Um, I mean, look, if... if Just put aside your question for a second. If at some point no one is doing a nice one Skip meme with an Australian manager, a PR opportunity has been missed. <laughs> I think we'll see him because I think generally he's one of those guys who managers like to turn to when things are a bit tough. He's, you know, he's one of those guys who will just chuck himself about and fully go at it. Um, it's a weird thing, Spurs midfield. Like, I, I, we, we all hope um, Benson comes back. He's a fantastic player. We, yeah, I mean, but I'm, I'm just, every time he goes in the tackle, I'm just, you know, when a player's had a cruise yet, I'm sure you guys are the same with Zaniolo. You just wonder... Every time is that going to be the one that does the cruciate again, you know? And you're always going to have that with someone who's 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 done a cruciate. But the, the real enigma for Spurs, but for me anyway, I don't know if I speak for all Spurs fans, but Giovanni, um, not Giovanni, um, yeah, Lacelso, Giovanni Lacelso, came at a time when you know Spurs Spurs team was was kind of it needed sort of a complete refurb. We just been we just lost the Champions League final. And all the players are a bit down. And he comes in to be like the sort of renaissance of the midfield with Tongi and Dombele. And, it, you know, Lascelles had bad luck. He had injuries and then the team wasn't great that he was coming into. So he really couldn't earn himself into the team. And I'd love to see him be a success at Spurs because, you know, everywhere else he's been, they've built they've built teams around him. You know, uh, your, your man, um, Emery, you know, at Villarreal, built a team around him, did really well. Uh Betis, when we signed him from him, they built a midfield around him. Argentina think he's the best midfielder in the world. The Argentine fans were gutted when he didn't make the World Cup. He'd be a World Cup winner. <laughs> I doubt we would have heard of uh, old Enzo Fernandez if uh, if Lacelso had been fit. That's how highly they rate him. Yet for some reason, in a Spurs shirt, it just doesn't happen. And I really can't work out why. But, you know, you'd love to think that with all these injuries, with a similar kind of player like Madison Crocs, this is his opportunity. But he didn't pick him last week. But you know, now we're now we're down another midfielder. Maybe maybe it will happen. But it's one of those weird things that goes on at Spurs. You just we sign these players who are amazing elsewhere, and then suddenly, I'm sure it's true everywhere else. But it always kind of feels personal, doesn't it, when it happens to your club? Mm, yeah, um, you're right about Lucelso. Yeah, he played very very well under uh, the man I call Professor Unai at Villarreal. Um, and I do think that Spurs are going to need some creative input you know in the center there because Villa have a lot have a lot of it and a lot of fits all I said playing midfielders really a fit now uh Jacob Rams is on his way back so uh so yeah um but and to be honest uh when I looked at this fixture a few weeks ago I just had couldn't sleep at night because I kept thinking about what James Madison might do 
to Villa coming deep and playing those balls through to Son. I think he was the exact perfect player to get play against the high line. Brilliant player, but yeah, big miss, I think. And you're just hoping Lacelso steps up and does something really in, in his stead. Um, it's a great time for you guys to play us, to be honest, just because, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm necessarily a massive pessimistic Spurs fans because there are a lot of us, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I watched you guys the other week and I thought the whole link up, particularly between uh, Pal Torres and, and Dina, that, like I saw him play the same ball about three times where he just played it, you know, between the right back and the centre back and Dina was just there. Mm. It was a perfectly weighted ball. And I just think, you know, if that can happen deeper in the pitch with Dyer, who, look, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he needs as much stick as Spurs fans give him. I think he's sort of a you know, a symbol of kind of frustration, frustrating times. And and Ben Davis, again, he'll give his all. Both players will give them all, but they're just not the best. Um, you know, against against those two guys, the amount of pace that Villa have got up front, you know, uh, Leon Bailey's just going to gas it through, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm nervous in defence. I'm sort of quietly optimistic in attack, but I think it's, it's going to be goals, certainly. Yeah, and, you know, um, Van der Ven's missing. Van der Ven, uh, uh, so I've watched him a few times this season, and I have to be honest with you, I think he looks like a player who could one day be in the conversation for the best defense center back in the world. Um, just watching the attributes he has and the the the, the speed reading of the game. Um, I think the reason the high line works so well at Spurs this season is partly because he's there, you know, with Romero as well, a top quality defender. But there's just something about having a player of his pace to sort of recover, you know, if someone does get in behind. Um, you know, if he continues on that on the trajectory I've seen this season, you know, it's only a small sample size I've seen. But if he continues on that, he's what a player Spurs have, but he is missing. Uh, yeah. So, do you think it'll be Dia and Ben Davis in central defence this year, this weekend? Yeah, I do. I think there's a lot of hope among among Spurs fans about this young chap called Ash Phillips, who he signed in the summer from Blackburn Rovers. 18 years old, you can't chuck him in against. Um, well, maybe he can, I don't know. But, I mean, Angie's throwing surprises in here, there and everywhere. So, you know, but um, uh, uh, what you do get with uh, every manager who's ever managed Ben Davis loves him. So they, they feel like they can trust him. You know, he puts in a shift. Um, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but the Welsh play him in that sort of left centre-back position. He plays left centre-back occasionally for Spurs. He does a job. He puts his body on the line. When you're in an injury crisis, you know you've got to kind of make do. Um, but there's no there's no real replacing Van der Ven with that high line. It's like it, he offers what um, Carl Walker offers for England. It's that kind of they've broken quick. We need the guy with speed to get back and hold them up. And he does it. You're right. He does it so well. He um, stays on his feet. Uh, he 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 doesn't put his socks above his knees, which winds me up. It's <laughs> uh, like uh, he looks like a sort of you know your classic sort of. You know, 70s Dutch centre midfielder who, you know, quite happily will sort of swap positions with Johan Cruyff. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, he's been a great signing. And Romero, he's a big miss. I mean, when he's got his head switched on, there's no one better. He reminds me of sort of a right-footed Walter Samuel. <laughs> Remember, Mike signing on chat manager. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a big miss. They're two very big misses, um, Romero particularly and Van der Ven. But, um, you know... When they both went off the pitch a couple of weeks ago against Chelsea, Spurs continued with the high line with nine men, which was turned into one of the most amazing games of football I've ever seen, ever, genuinely. Um, do you think with the profile of defender you'll have this weekend, do you think 
Ange might be tempted to drop the player, the defence a little bit deeper, or do you think he's going to stick with that philosophy of we are the attacking team and we're going to keep the team, the defence right by the halfway line? I think he's sticking with it. You know, that's his... It's, and he, he he's, he's sort of a lot of interviews at the moment where it's, you know... He, he's quite adamant that, that we're not going to win anything this season. Which won't come as a shock to most Spurs fans. It's not exactly like a great revelation. That's like really, Ange. Okay, fair enough. Um, but um, you know, he sees it as a process. So actually, he doesn't mind losing at the moment, which is interesting. He doesn't mind losing as long as like, there's this thing that he has. I can't quite get my head around it. It's this sort of thing where we're going to do it, we're going to stick to it, and if we lose, we still learn from it. Mm-hmm. I don't quite get that personally because, you know, sometimes you need to adapt. But against Chelsea, he went for it and he said it was as valuable as winning. You know, he, he said nine men don't care. We're going for it. And to be fair to him, we very nearly got something from that game. You know, we were an inch here, an inch there from 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 stealing it late on. Yeah, you can say it's 4-1. Yeah, in the end, in the, end the scoreline says we got battered. Fair enough. But, you know, 88th minute, Son has a go. Eric Dyer scores a worldie only to be offside. Um, he'll stick with it. He will. He believes in it. You know, ultimately, he his 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 message to the team is: I think I read somewhere he says to the team, like, you didn't get into this game to play like statues and stand in position. You play, you got into this game because to have fun and express yourself. And I'm here to score goals. You can't win unless you score goals. So get up there. You want to be near the goal. There's a fascinating thing. I'm sure. There's no reason why um, people listening, watching to this would have necessarily seen it because it's a, it's a thing about Villa and why would you spend time watching someone else's manager? But Rio Ferdinand did a kind of breakdown thing with um, with Ange in front of the big screen and he just went through everything. And it's just really interesting to sort of say what he drums, drums home to those forwards. We push up because if you win the ball up there, it's one pass and you're, you know, you're, the centre-backs to the other team will be split. And it just it really sort of makes sense. He hammers it home, this kind of ethos of if we're near the goal, we can score. Um, we can score quickly. Uh, it's, I don't think it's particularly a revel- revelatory sort of uh, thought in football, but he, he's just, it's his ethos. He's, he will stick to it. You know, if he's doing it with nine men, he's going to do it with 11 men. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's been a bit of a, I wouldn't say it's a revelation. I mean, th- this time last year when Villa uh, got rid of, Stevie G, uh, not not the not missed Stevie G. Um, and before we were linked with Unai Emery, I actually tweeted I wanted Ange uh, at Villa from Celtic just because uh, you just got a vibe off him. There was something, and I saw Celtic play a bit a few times. I thought they played very well, and thought you know take a chance on him. And then when we got Professor Unai, I was delighted because I just never believed we'd get him in. So, um, but uh, but to see Ange doing so well at Spurs is uh, you know it's he it, it seems he it seems like a if you look back on Spurs' history and you think, you know, the type of managers who have done well there, I, th- I feel like it's not necessarily the big names like a Mourinho or a Conte. It's the kind of sort of slightly left field choices like Pochettino was at the time from Southampton, uh, taking a chance on an Ange and, you know, maybe you'll fill that. Um, but, uh, you know, as well, who do you identify this weekend as uh, Aston Villa's key threats and where do you th- see Spurs potentially being a bit weaker? I mean, it is at the back where we are weaker. There's no, there's no hiding it. I mean, you you rattled off our injuries list, and it's you know, two defenders who I would say arguably are among the best in the league. Certainly at the moment, are now just out of it. And you guys do have pace. I think, um, I think, I think uh, you know, Leon Bailey's just can can break every every bat line, Donny. Um, <laughs> Daniello is a great technician. 
uh, Ollie Watkins on his day is just class Premier League forward, you know? Yeah. Um, you guys, I just think, I think Villa are, um, Villa worry me because I think they're actually doing things properly in the same way Newcastle worry me because, not because they're doing things properly, they're doing things, you know, but, um, you know, they're doing things. And so it's it's just one of those things where there's a sort of shifting of the tides in the Premier League, in the Premier League, isn't there? It's, 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 no one really knows what the 10 next 10 years are going to look like. But I think Villa actually had been a bit of a wake-up call to the upper echelons at Spurs because we were sleepwalking. The last three years we've been sleepwalking. There's not been a plan. No one's really had any faith that we know where we're going. And then all of a sudden, this season, it's sort of, I th- Levy's got lucky, you know? I mean, I've, I, I, I still have 20 quid on us to go down this season. That's how, how miserable I was in, in May. I, um, I saw Conte had gone after Mourinho. Uh, the Italian chap, uh, Paratici, our director of football, had got suspended, although apparently he's still working in the wings. I think the um, Dutch fella at Feyenoord had turned us down. I can't remember his name. Um, but, you know, he was again. I just thought, where's this going? I saw Leicester and I thought, that's a great team. They got you know great. It's probably a bit over egging it, but you know they're good players. Matters uh, your man Tielemans, uh, you know, good players. Vardy and they can still go down. And they actually had sort of a bit of a plan. Mm. Um, but no, I think Villa have just you know they've 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 bought wisely. They've got a blueprint. It feels like I think we nicked your technical director there, haven't we? Um, uh, I don't know if you, you're happy about that or not. I don't know. It's, I don't really know what to expect from a data man, really. But um, no, I think I think Villa will be one of those teams who basically are going to upset that sort of top six, top four um, with Newcastle and teams like Tottenham in particular. They need to sort of really be on their game with how they they structure going forward because it's sort of very sort of unsettled time in the Premier League, um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. You just kind of want to know why and how clubs are doing it. And I think. The, the Villa way is not one which of what's going on in the Premier League is going, to, is going to upset people if they do well. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, but I think I think this will be a really interesting game, seeing where that trajectory is going, really. Yeah, it, it is fascinating in that sense, for sure. Um, and, yeah, and to be honest, you know, this summer, it felt like a lot was very negative at Spurs. I remember speaking to yourself and other Spurs fans and, the, the the general vibe was very very low and as a Villa fan you know I couldn't help but think is there an opportunity there to jump over a club that's been you know more established in the top four five six in the last ten years um, but you've really fired back and um, you know uh, I think this season the top eight in the Premier League you could interchange a lot of those clubs and if any of them finished in the top four you'd be thinking I can see that happening it's it's one of the strongest um, top eights or most competitive top eights I've seen. In quite a long time, I think. Um, but with regards to the game this weekend, you know, I, I look at a the, the player I identify as a potential threat, and I, it, I think this because of a game we played against Liverpool last season. Uh, John McGinn. So McGinn is a um, yeah, you know, on his day, you know, the last game we, we played against Fulham, one three one, he was ten out of ten, fantastic. He was ten out of ten when we beat Everton four 0 earlier this season. Sometimes, right. sometimes it can be, you know, a bit. You know, some games he's not brilliant, but he's you know he's not always ten out of ten. But um, I think the reason I see him is quite crucial is because I think if we can win the battle in centre midfield and take control, Douglas Louise, Bibi Kakamara, John McGinn, 
McGinn can do the hassling and the pressing. If we can somehow find the passing channels between Louise and Kamara to McGinn, or we can find a pass from Pau Torres into McGinn. If McGinn, with if you're playing the high line, and we'll be playing it as well, then I think if McGinn can just turn on his left foot, and if Ollie Watkins is on the other side of the pitch and times his run right, gets in behind him, McGinn curved ball over the top. He's done it before against Liverpool uh, last season, uh, three ball to Watkins where he beat the high line. And uh, we won a penalty from it. Did it to Liverpool as well a few years ago. And Jack Grealish scored against him in the 7-2. So I think when we've played teams who have high lines, that whipped ball from McGinn has tended to be a bit of quite an asset. So I think if Spurs can't get to grips with that and stop that from happening, that could that could be a source of problems for them, um, particularly with Watkins' pace in behind and then Diaby as well with his pace. Um, so I think that to me is where I think Villa might if we can control the centre, there might be some serious problems for Spurs. But um, at the same time, I still think that you can really hurt us. You know, you got Son's a fantastic player. It just seems like he always scores against Villa. Um, you know, who who else do you think can hurt Villa? On his day, right, Dejan Kulazewski. Yeah, he's brilliant. I like him a lot. They're missing. He, he, there are there are days where you just think. Uh... He's not quite that. I think you should be slightly grateful Basuma's not around because, yeah. I mean, he's 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 so crucial to Ange's style of play. It, it's not necessarily about passing out the back; it's about dribbling out the back, and he's so good at it. Um, so, I mean, that's a that's a big kind of um, let up for you guys. And I think you know your point about John McGinn. He won't have Basuma hassling him. He will have Papsar. Papsar. Um, Young lad, insanely athletic, and just like he, he will, he will run, and he will run, and he will run, and people hate playing against him because he just does not let up. So I think you know your point about McGinn is an interesting one, but I think he's going to have someone breathing down his neck right. uh, all the time because you know Angie's a shrewd guy; he'll be able to spotted that, that that weakness. It doesn't mean it won't it won't happen. I'm not going to sit here and tee myself up to start eating my words. Uh, <laughs> I think um, I think he's back. I think he might be having a knock, but Destiny Dodgy, uh, I think he's a doggy actually. Um, but he, um, I'm fairly sure he's going to be the next player we sell to Real Madrid. Uh, I think he's I think that good. Um, he's uh, 20 years old. He look, plays like he's 30 years old. Uh, and you're thinking, well, why is he bringing up a defender as someone who's dangerous? Uh, um, that's Angel. Uh, you know, he just he just pops up in all the right places all the right time. He's he's big. He's he's massive. He's quick. He's technically really good. Um, I I really rate him. I think he's he's on his day. He's pretty dangerous. Um, so yeah, and Pedro Porro. He's kind of gone a bit under the radar because he sort of was a mid-season last season signing, which we needed because you know the whole wing back thing was just not working. Um, but again, the wing backs are crucial for for Ange because they basically play as midfielders and occasionally they play as number eights. So they just turn up in the box and have a go. Um, so I think you know those guys are key. But obviously, you know, ultimately, if Son's on his game, you guys have Villa are going to have problems, which is true of anyone because he's he's just that good. Yeah, um, I mean, he's he's just yeah come come alive again this season, uh, particularly with uh, with Madison as well working with him. Um, just, just phenomenal player. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think with with Villa, I, I, the the problem with us this season is whilst we've had uh, we've won every game at home, 
Um, away from home, we've been absolutely battered at Newcastle. I think there were various extenuating circumstances for that. Um, you know, with the injuries we got to Mings and Buendia in close succession, and then it just all went a bit wrong first day of the season. But the, te- the team that absolutely killed us away was Liverpool. The way they structured their press, very high press against Villa, didn't let us play out, cut off all our passing channels and physically won it in the middle. Um, they won 3-0, battered us. Uh, and that's that's the one game this season I've come away and going, I just just lost just lost to a better team there. Um, but what Villa have been doing, we did this to Forest where we lost 2-0 recently and we did it at Lechia Warsaw as well. All four of the away losses we've had this season, we've conceded very, very early in the game. So I think it's when Villa don't get into kind of... Because Villa likes control games, basically. We, we're a possession-based team. Um, and we like to have control and some calmness. But um, in those first 15 minutes when the opposition has, you know, they're, they're at their most physically active, they're, they're most energetic, the crowd is at their loudest, that's when you can unsettle Villa. So I think if, Villa, if Spurs can get going very quickly this weekend and if they get an early goal, it's just it's a repeat of a problem we've had a few times this season where we then have to try and fight our way back into it. And it's a test for us as to whether we can because we haven't yet done that away from home this season when we've conceded early. So, if, yeah, as I say, if Spurs get that early goal, you can you can probably go down to the bar, get a beer and start celebrating. Well, um, I mean, you know, we we scored after five minutes against Chelsea and then big capitulation in Premier League history occurred. So um, we'll see. But um, it's interesting what you're saying about sort of the press, actually. Uh, I think that's kind of the, the slight difference that Angie's working on. I'm not sure it's there yet, but it is that element of it's not just about passing around the players and, and having the channels. It's actually pushing and pulling them by dribbling around them a bit as well. I mean, it's all going to go, I'm sure at some point it'll go completely. <laughs> the wheels will come off the bus and we'll concede three because someone can quite dribble away from, you know, somebody can gas it quite quickly. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun to watch, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I was going to say, like, you know, I mean, with Unai Emery in the last year, it's been an absolute revelation for Villa fans. I don't think I've ever seen football this good ever at Aston Villa, in my lifetime at least. Um you know, with Ange, uh, you know, it's going to be a fascinating tactical battle. And I think neutrals will, will could very well end up enjoying this game. Um, but uh, what have you made of Ange Ball? Do you know what? You're right, I'm a season ticket holder. And I very, I, it, I went to the last day for renewal. I'm putting bets against the club and I'm, I'm going to the last day of renewal. That's how bad it was. <laughs> uh, um, but the reason it was bad, right? This goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think clubs at the moment, like Villa and Spurs, we're not expecting to necessarily win trophies. We like to win trophies and we want teams to to go out and try and win trophies. But day to day, match to match, what you want is more fundamental than that. You want to be entertained. You know, Premier League fans spend an unbelievable large amount of money. My season ticket is one of the cheaper ones and I spend just shy of a grand. Okay, and I'm up in the nosebleeds in this new swanky stadium that we were sort of told would would change everything okay maybe things have changed a bit but the point is is i'm spending a lot of money and for the last season two seasons it's just been you know you almost whip out the program because it's just been really sort of uneventful drops and i can deal with losing like you know i'm i'm a grown-up it takes a lot to make me cry i can deal with losing but i can't 
just I can't abide this this sort of incredibly kind of statuesque thing that Conte had going on, being a tactical genius. You know, the counter press that Jose had, it was just, oh God, you just felt absolutely exhausted by the end of it. You've just kind of thought, what's the point? And bear in mind, this is Tottenham, okay? And Tottenham is not the easiest part of London to get to. It takes a long time to get there. Fans who have been, you know, been to the ground will know that in order to get there, you either have to walk sort of half an hour from Seven Sisters up to the ground, or you have to sort of cram yourself on a train and, you know, it, and then, you know, it's it's just an absolute nightmare to get to. So you kind of feel like when you're there, you've earned a bit of entertainment. And just bought that. He's, he's basically bought in, yeah, we're winning and it helps, but actually... The amount of chances we're creating, the amount of passes we're putting together, the amount of actual kind of sprinting and energy, the players are playing like they actually want to be there, like they want to compete, like they want to sort of, you know, show us something. And that, you know, I said this after like match day four, I just said Conte almost needs recognition for making Yves Basuma look that average. Yeah, I don't know how he managed to make a player that good look that average, but he did. And yeah, so look, I mean... Daniel Levy, one thing he has got right rather recently is, you know, there was this forum thing where he said, we've got our Tottenham back. Okay, it's a slightly wishy-washy way of putting it, but I kind of agree. I, 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 you know, I'm enjoying watching the games. I enjoy how Ange conducts himself. Again, it goes back to what we've endured since Poch left. Also, Poch was kind of guilty of this, but the endless talking in riddles, the endless sort of, what does he mean by that? Hmm. You know, he said this, what does he mean? Uh, 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 can, can we can read it like this, can we read it like that. Well, so and so from the mirror says this, so and so from the mail says he means this. And just like, no, no, this is it. This is the way it is. I see it like this. It's just so refreshing because it was exhausting. You could probably tell. I was just like exhausted by the whole thing. Mm. Um, whereas now, you know, I get in the car, I look forward to going and watching my club. And I feel like I, you know, the chap who I sit, sit next to at Spurs. We're actually saying, yeah, we should probably get a nicer seat next season, shouldn't we? Because, you know, you know, it's actually enjoyable for a change. <laughs> um, so, yeah, breath of fresh air. But I'm trying, uh, you know, after the last few, I thought Potch was it. I thought Potch was going to be our Ferguson. I thought he was going to be there for like 15 years. So, you don't get, I'm sort of stopped getting too attached to managers now because you just kind of think, what's the point? Levy's going to shaft them at some point. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, no, it, it's been incredible to see. Um, and particularly, you know, uh, as I said earlier, hearing how just how negative Spurs fans were this summer—I mean, rightly so as well. It, it was—it wasn't great for look, looking on from the outside. Um, but you know, Harry Kane's gone. Uh, can you believe how quickly Spurs have moved on, really? Or do you think they might this season still need to go a bit further, and then you'll see, like Ashley could have done with Kane? Or... Um, you can always do with Harry Kane. I mean, you're not going to be surprised to hear a Spurs fan say, "For my money, he's, he's the best striker in the world." Mm-hmm. You know. He plays number 10 like Francesco Totti and he plays number nine like Alan Shearer. Mm. Um, so every club's going to miss him. But, you know, for what the, the sort of tactics, the high press that Ange Postacoglu wants his team to play, Son's the perfect guy because, mm. you know, in football manager, you have the old 20 on work rate. Uh, he's rapid. I, I, you see defenders and goalies really sort of brick it when they see him charging them down. And he'll do it all day long. He'll run for 90 minutes solid. Um, there's a story about during COVID when he was, he sort of, South Koreans have to do sort of military service. And he sort of thought, well, look, Premier League spent, I'm going to go do my military service. 
and he went and did sort of six months or three months in South Korea. And apparently during all the physical tests, he just obliterated every single person there because he was just so kind of, you know, just such an athlete. Um, so, look, yeah, I mean, we're always going to miss watching Harry Kane score. I I'm, I'm, don't think I'm alone. I think every Spurs fan has probably seen every goal he scored for Bayern Munich. Um, you know, but, you know, it's happened before. Dimitar yeah. Berbatov left, Luka Modric left, Jack Grealish left. I've got to, first, before I get your score prediction, I've also got to mention the gilet going on here. Mm-hmm. Those listening online and not watching on YouTube. Um, you're wearing a, a Tottenham Hotspur gilet and it's making me think of old tactics Tim Sherwood himself. Uh, is this is this a tribute to the man? No, I was just cold one day and I wanted a gilet. Genuinely, I was at Spurs and I was a bit chilly. But then I did chuckle when I bought it because, um, you know, you got to... You got to remind yourself of the tough times to enjoy the good times, don't you? Um, so um, I, I, you know, he's one of those other people who people went after. He didn't really have a chance, to be honest, about Tim Sherwood. But he's not going to be the bloke. Certainly, the way he came in, he was never going to be the bloke who was going to be the next Messiah, was he? He's, yeah. But yeah, old good old Tim got us to an FA Cup final, and uh, yeah, we lost four 0 to Arsenal. But you know, at least we were there. Uh, anyway, look. Oli, it's been absolutely brilliant to chat to you. Before you go, I've got to get your score prediction for the weekend. I think it's going to go... I think it's going to be 2-2 until, like, the last 10 minutes. Right. And one of the high lines is going to crumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to bang it, just say against us. I think we're going to win 3-2. There we go. 3-2. It might even be 4-3. I think it's going to be a basketball game, quite frankly. It, it feels like it has the ingredients to be a basketball game for sure. Um, I am going to say that McGinn <laughs> gets a ball into Watkins and Watkins scores. I'm going to say another Villa player scores. I don't know who, but I think Spurs... We've only drawn one game this season. I'm going to say we draw. I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to say... I'm going to, I'm going to put... I don't want to put money on anything because it's painfully obvious is I'm terrible at putting my money on anything. But um, I think Brendan Johnson will score. I think Pat Saar might score or Pedro Porro. I think they've both just got that ability just to pop up and score. The only thing that's going to disrupt this game, and you probably want to wrap up now, but I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of a bee in my bonnet. The only thing that will disrupt this game is the thing that's disrupting every game in the Premier League at the moment. That's VAR. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly convinced it's now causing injuries. You know, I'm 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 pretty sure that Van der Ven pulled up mm-hmm. because he spent seven minutes standing in position waiting for the game to resume. Um, I think it's a problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it might it might be necessary for uh, you know um, coaching staff and uh, whoever monitors kind of health at football clubs might be. Um, looking at ways that when these long delays are happening, what they can do for the players, like how they have to jogging yeah. around the pitch, start almost like a warm up yeah. of some type. That's a position because, like, the ref can wave play on at any moment. You know, it's just. Um, but that would be because I, I think this is going to be a really nice poised game. I think uh, Villa are doing really interesting things. Um, I think they're going to they cause trouble to everyone. Spurs are in. Obviously, uh, it, had we not had the game against Chelsea, 
you know, I'd be more confident, but, you know, there's no hiding it. We've lost some really key players going back to Perisic and Solomon, who we didn't mention, but, you know, they were crucial at the start of the season. So I think you guys are coming at a really good time, but I'm not going to knock back my team other than 20 quid. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm going to say 3-2 to us, but... Okay. I do. I remember a heartbreaking 3-2 a couple of years ago when Son got through the 94th minute. Uh, you Bjorn Engels made a mistake. He let the ball go through his leg. And that was at that point as well where when Villa were in that, the, the very near relegation season. Um, and uh, Again, we were so bad. But that was, was that early Conte, I think? Or late Jose, I think? Ooh, uh, I think it was Jose. Jose. I think so. We were so bad. I mean, it was... You know, we got lucky. You guys handed us a massive free pass with that one. But um, no, uh, Sunday's going to be good. And the only thing that the only thing is like is the other thing as well is, you know, who, who wants a Sunday two o'clock kickoff? Yeah. Most people are thinking about a Sunday roast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we're getting used to that with Europe this season. So, uh, so yeah. But Ollie, it's been absolutely brilliant to chat to you, and thanks Pleasure. so much for coming on to All Villa No Filler. Pleasure. Good luck, sort of this weekend, but not really. <laughs>